Let us pray. Lord, as the scriptures are read and proclaimed this day, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit that our minds, our hearts, and our very lives may be transformed by your Holy Scripture. Thank you for your gift of your word. Sometimes we all find ourselves in need of help. Reminded of a couple of years ago when my brother, my dad, and I ventured south a couple of hours to the wonderful state of West Virginia. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell some of you have been there. Are any of you from West Virginia? From West Virginia? Yep, we'll say we always have a few. Uh, for, for, for some reason, Ohio does have a large population of people who used to be from West Virginia. Uh, and uh, we had gone down there, uh, just across uh, the river from Gallipolis to a little town called Point Pleasant. Have you ever been to Point Pleasant? We were down there for the Mothman Festival. Have you ever been to the Mothman Festival? All right, let me explain to you what the Mothman Festival is. Uh, uh, it's a uh, festival that uh, they have there at Queen Pleasant, and it's to, I guess, celebrate for lack of a better term, uh, a monster that people said they saw back in the 1960s, the Mothman. And there's a book written and the movie, if you ever saw the Mothman prophecies, the movie loosely based on all that. Anyway, it's like one of the biggest festivals in West Virginia now. It's a big deal down there, and so we adventure down, people dress up, it, it, it's just a lot of fun. And uh, one of the, the things you can do down there at the Mothman Festival is you can pay 25 bucks a head to get on a bus, that they have like a, those some school buses that they're using, and you can get on those buses, and they drive you out into the middle of nowhere so you can see where people claim to have seen Mothman, and, and some claim Mothman even lived. And you can then get off the bus, and they, and they show you around. Well, I took a look at this, and my, my motto is, if it's free, it's for me. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not paying 25 bucks a head to get on this bus. And I mean, I got a cell phone, I got GPS, I got the internet, we'll just go out on our own. And my dad has a, uh, uh, an SUV with four-wheel drive, I'm like, we'll be fine. So my brother, my dad, and I, after we get done looking around uh, the festival, we jump in his car, and we head out to find the Mothman. If you ever decide to go monster hunting, know this. Google Maps does not list where monsters live on their maps at all. It did us no good. So I was relying on what I saw on the History Channel to get us to where we needed to go. Do not use ancient aliens as a way of navigating. We get out there. I don't know where we're at. We turn down this road in the middle of this, like, uh, it's like a preserve, nature preserve. And we are out in the middle of nowhere, and the pavement stops. So my dad, he's 
not going to allow nature to stop them. He puts it in four-wheel drive, and we keep going. The problem with four-wheel drive is it doesn't help you when you run over a stick and puncture your tire. And the little gauge of this truck, you just saw like, you know, the, the tire pressure going right down the zero. And so we kind of get out of the car. And you have to really know my dad to appreciate this. He won't just allow my brother and I to change the tire. No, no, he's got to get the owner's manual out and read to us what it says. So we're standing in the middle of nowhere trying to figure out how to get the tire, the spare tire, out from underneath the truck. It wasn't apparent. And my dad was having trouble finding it in his manual. And to top it all off, I didn't have a cell phone signal. So I couldn't even use Google to find out. And while we're trying to figure out how this all works, out of nowhere comes a truck. An old, beat-up pickup truck with two guys that look really sketchy in it. <laughs> and they drive by, and they both stare at us. And we stare back. And they drive maybe 20 feet ahead of us and then just stop dead. And it's like a little gravel road kind of deal. And they stop dead. And we're in the middle of nowhere. There's trees and these two guys. And my brother looks at me and he starts humming, you know, the song from Deliverance? And I'm like, thanks, Rob. He goes, I'm just saying. And I'm like, this is where we die. This is how it is, right here for me, looking for them off. <laughs> and they throw it in reverse, and I'm just, here it comes. And they back up. Turns out, these two guys were two off-duty Columbus firefighters who are from down there, who come down every year to help with the uh, uh, Mothman uh, uh, Festival. And they were taking a shortcut through this nature preserve, and they wanted to know if we wanted help changing the tire, because they knew how to do it. We said, sure. They jumped out, they uh, changed the tire, had it changed in like five minutes, and they knew where the Mothman lived. <laughs> and we were nowhere close. <laughs> Sometimes we all need help, don't we? We all need help. Our story this morning from the Gospel of Mark is all about a man who needs help. The story takes place in the town of Capernaum. Uh, Capernaum really kind of served as Jesus' home base, if you will, during his ministry. Uh, Capernaum uh, is where Jesus recruited uh, his first disciples and uh, really where Jesus became renowned for uh, his power his ability to heal and teach. And the Bible suggests uh, that while he was there at Capernaum, Jesus often stayed in Peter's house. Now Peter and his brother Andrew, they had moved from the town of Bethesda uh, to Capernaum. It's actually just a couple of miles, but it's, it's on the other side of the Jordan River. 
And the important thing about that is that the taxes were lower in Capernaum than they were in, in, the, uh, in uh, Bethesda. And so Peter and Andrew moved to Capernaum and they built a house. And the cool thing is, is that the remains of several ancient churches were found by archaeologists there in Capernaum back in the 1960s. And uh, the churches were said to have marked the site of Peter's house. And when archaeologists dug down uh, underneath those churches, sure enough, they found a first century house that today many archaeologists say is the house of Peter. And that would make it the site of our uh, story here this morning. So this is a place that we kind of, of, of know about. And there's a, a, a picture there of uh, what we're talking about. The, the bottom right picture there is of the archaeological site of, uh, of the house of Peter. So uh, we're, we're talking about a, a real place here uh, and uh, a place that had been attested to from the earliest times of Christianity as being the home of Peter and Andrew and the place where all this takes place. So this is what happens. Jesus is there at Peter's house. And houses uh, during the first century there in Galilee were often built uh, with a flat roof and they had a couple of rooms and a little courtyard around the outside. And it gets pretty hot in the Middle East, and there wasn't any air conditioning, and so sometimes people would even sleep up on the top of those flat roofs when it got really, really warm inside. And the roofs were made by laying walls and then uh, filling in the gaps with mud and straw to make a thatched roof. And so you could cut through the roof, and, well, you see where I'm going. They cut through the roof. So, Jesus was uh, teaching uh, a crowd there at, at Peter's house, and uh, people started to push into that courtyard and, uh, and into the rooms, because everyone wanted to see what Jesus was doing. Everyone wanted to be in his presence, and there were even some who wanted to experience the touch of Jesus, to have his healing hand laid upon them. Enter. Four men carrying a paralyzed man. These were four friends of this gentleman who was unable to walk. And we're not giving any details if this was a new uh, uh, problem for this man, if this was an injury of some sort, or if he was born this way, or, or what was going on. We just know that he was unable to walk and he was being carried on, on, on a, a mat, uh, if you will. Uh, by his four friends, and they were hoping to get him to Jesus, because they knew that if they could just get him to Jesus, if they could just have Jesus lay his hand upon him, he would be healed. He could walk. His life would be substantially different and better. But when they get there, the four friends' hearts, they fall. Because you see, they can't get but they weren't going to let a few people stand in their way of getting their friend to Jesus. And so 
They come up with this plan. They, they climb up on the roof of the house. And they cut a hole in that roof right above where Jesus was. And they tie ropes to that mat and they lower their friend right down in front of Jesus. Now, we often think of Jesus' reaction to this. I want to think of Peter's reaction when someone's cutting a hole in the roof of his house. Could you imagine somebody cuts a hole in the roof of your house? Would you be happy? No. I think Peter and maybe Andrew and, 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 and some others were probably not so happy. They're like, what are these people doing? But, but Jesus was like, look, relax. That can be repaired. What is happening here is, 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 is much more important than a hole in your roof. And so they that they lower him down, and, 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 and Jesus, he lays his hands on this man, and he says, your sins are forgiven. Now, why Jesus says this, we're not 100% sure. Was it because people thought this man couldn't walk because God was punishing him for something? Was it because this man had asked for that? We don't know. What we do know are the response of some of those who were standing around talking to Jesus. These were the religious types, the, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And they are really unhappy. They look at Jesus and they're like, how can you say your sins are forgiven? Only God can forgive sins. You are talking blasphemy there. How dare you? Jesus looks at his opponents and he says, what's going to be easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or to tell this man to get up and walk? But I want you to know that I have authority for this. And he looks at this man and he says, get up and walk. Take your mat. Oh, you're healed. This man's life is changed in a profound, radical way because his friends cared enough to get him to Jesus. His friends cared enough to do whatever it took to get him to Jesus. If only we had such good friends. Sometimes we need help. Yet asking for help can be very difficult for many Christians. So let's talk about that here real quick. Why can it be difficult for us to ask others for help? Well, I think the first thing is we fear, fear burdening others when we ask for help. We fear that we are going to make somebody else's life more difficult. We sometimes also fear being judged as perhaps being weak or not having the ability to handle our own problems, and so we don't want to ask for help. Another problem 
we have is that we fear rejection. We fear that if we ask somebody for help, no matter what it is, is that they're going to reject us. They're not going to be around us because this is somebody who just asks for help all the time. But my friends, as Christians, we need to not be afraid of asking for help because asking for help is important and it's beneficial not just to the person seeking help but to the person or people who are rendering help see first helping others is a blessing see we were created i think to help other people and when you genuinely help somebody who is in need, don't you feel better? Don't you feel better? For instance, a couple of weeks ago, uh, when we had that free Friday, and uh, uh, people came in for their food, for, for all, all of you who were there and, and helped with that. By the way, thank you for doing that. That's awesome. Uh, but don't you feel better after you do that? And no one's paying you money to do that, right? But you feel better. You feel better. A couple of, uh, of uh, quotes that I want, I want to share with you about that. Um, uh, one from uh, Booker T. Uh, Washington, uh, where he talks about uh, how helping others uh, really makes us happy. He says, those who are happiest are those who do the most for others. Those who are happiest are those who do the most for others. And I think that's true. Some of the happiest people I have ever met are those people who have given of themselves for other people. I have another quote here uh, from uh, good old John Wesley. If doing a good act in public will excite others to do more good, then let your light shine to all. Miss no opportunity to do good. My friends, helping others is a witness to our faith. It is. If you do something really good for, for somebody else, people are going to want to know why. Because let's face it, in this world, helping others isn't always a common thing. And they're going to want to know why. And you can share your faith. A couple other quick, uh, quick items as to why helping others is beneficial. And that is that helping others helps you to empathize with them. It makes you have more empathy for those who are in need. I gotta tell you, uh, working in uh, things like food pantries has really helped me as a person to see the needs and, and, and to empathize for those who are, are uh, experiencing food insecurity in their lives. Uh, uh, helping uh, others uh, really helps to put you into somebody else's shoes. And finally, helping others is an acknowledgement of our need for God's grace. Because when we ask for help, and when we accept help, we are acknowledging the fact that we are not completely self-sufficient. 
And that is important as Christians because we sometimes think we don't need anybody, including God. But that's not true. We need God and God's grace in our lives. My friends, We all need help from time to time. Each and every one of us need help. We need each other. Let us not be afraid to ask for the help that we genuinely need. And as Christians, let us help those who are in need. For when we do so, we not only are helping the person directly in front of us, but we are helping ourselves spiritually, and we are being a powerful witness to the love of Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for every opportunity we have to help one another. We acknowledge our total dependence upon you. Lord, guide us in our lives, guide us in our actions, in our words, and our deeds. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior.